0: Hello there and welcome to season two of the Medtime Stories podcast. My name is Ashwin Sharma. I'm Tom Thorne. And we're both
1: final year medical students at the University of Birmingham. This podcast is about our life at medical school, what we get up to in and around the edges and what we're looking forward to about our future careers. Whatever platform you're listening to us on, please subscribe and leave us a rating. So welcome back to another episode. Uh, this is another episode exploring uh, Ashvin's rotations that he's been through and I'll be going through uh, next term. Uh, we are now in our first day of Christmas, which is quite a relief, so both sat at the SJT, both kind of uh, enjoying our Christmas holidays. But yeah, how have you been?
0: Yeah, good, good, good. Uh, had the SJT last week and then <laughs> had our final week of GP um, last week and then finished on thursday and then friday I had like a lecture day and then yesterday came home i was the last one to leave Um, then came home and i had like the kind of an eventful journey back home i don't think i've actually told you what happened oh
1: really what happened,
0: what happened? yeah <laughs> so uh, i went to um uh, before i came home i went to a friend's house to drop off some um christmas cards yeah and i kept my phone on airplane mode it was on 80 percent, but i was like because i want to like listen to music or listen to a podcast yeah the way yeah, home. yeah 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 listen I to us off airplane mode? Oh, I yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i yeah listen to us <laughs> so then um, i took it off airplane mode and my phone dropped from um, the battery dropped from 80 percent to one percent and i was just like oh, what's going on here what, like that <laughs> like instantly? literally yeah straight Ooh. away it dropped from one to one percent and then it started going up again <laughs> and it went up to four percent um and then it just stayed at four percent so i kept on airplane mode the whole time I had an episode downloaded, and I kept. Um, so I was driving on the way home. I left at a really bad time. I left like four thirty, so there was a lot of traffic um, on the motorway. And then, so it was two hours on a usual half, like one and a half hour journey. Um, and then I saw about an hour into my drive, I just realised that like I can't see much because like, my the, the it's there's ice on my windscreen, and it, it's just fogging up again. I'm just like, oh my god! Like, what do I do? Do I just try and like drive all the way through this? Because um, I can still see like um, a bit, but I'm just like actually no, this game. Did you crazy. have any screen wash? I did. Oh no, so it was f- like so that thing is. Meant so to be, this like- is
1: this is my bit of advice that I gave Ashwin. I yeah. will let the listeners yeah. in on this. I bought a big yeah. big jug of screen wash uh, yeah. to university and I went Ashwin. Before you go home, make sure you've got enough screen wash and fill it up. No, but <laughs> went, no, but yeah, yeah, I, yeah, it's I, fine. I no, I topped it up last week. <laughs> yeah. So Well It's not going <laughs> to go empty in one week, is it? Well I mean if you're having to use it I mean when I was driving home I was having to use it like every like like 10 15 minutes because like all of this stuff sprays up off the road and then just freezes on your windscreen. No, but you know um this stuff is meant to be like anti-freeze
0: as well isn't it? Mm. Yeah, so yeah. it was, like, I was trying to, like, wipe, um, trying to,
1: uh, but it wasn't working. It was my windscreen wipers were just... Well, the problem I was having, I know it sounds really like a dad, is that the nozzles were actually getting blocked. They were getting frozen. I think that's so it. That's what... The was nozzles thinking. were freezing, so I was pulling the thing in, and it was making yeah. the sound, like it was trying to pump it out, and nothing was yeah. coming out, and I know I've got loads in the reservoir, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking, yeah, the reservoir. Um, and so um, I had to stop at a service station oh, because um, it there was like it was showing red on my sat nav, so there was a lot of traffic ahead. So yeah. I was just like, okay, I'm going to get stuck here. So I had to stop at a service station. Um, and then I, I bought deicer, <laughs> And so I had to de-ice my windscreen. <laughs> um, and then, uh, not defrost, as I used to say. And then I remember you telling me, you're like, you defrost food. You don't defrost your windscreen. <laughs> 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 that's so, that's so, such a me thing to say. Yeah. Um, so I de it, and then uh, on the way home. Mm. Then my screen, um, my washer started working again. So mm. it wasn't working before that. Like, I don't know what was going on, man. Um, it was definitely frozen I think um, you still so. probably
1: got home before me anyway I mean it took me four hours to get home I left at quarter past three So I got what home at quarter, quarter, past like? se- quarter past seven Or twenty-five past seven
0: Yeah I got back out at quarter to seven Yeah
1: so you yeah. got back home before me I mean your journey's half the time But you left late. Did you drive
0: least. straight all the way through? Hmm. Oh
1: wow It was really busy around the M25 But it always is And it's like the worst day to drive Because it's the day everyone's going home for Christmas and stuff anyway on to our onto main topic today uh, which is we are talking about gp which is the not actually the second rotation you did but the one you finished most recently so we thought kind of while it's still fresh in your mind we'll we'll talk about it and so I hope you don't mind mate i'll ask you some questions and then you can kind of fill in anything else that you'd um, you'd like to talk about does that sound okay what's
0: this uh, what's the series called again
1: um i can't remember the name of the series to be <laughs> honest um, I'll, I'll add it in at the beginning um, <laughs> stop asking me yeah anyway so my first question for you is um you did gp first off Mm. what would you rate it out of 10 uh nine okay so why does it get a nine
0: it gets a nine i think because it's something that i've thought about before i'd done the done the placement about Um, Potentially a future career Um, I was apprehensive about going in here Coming off an intercalation um, Where I don't think my knowledge was that good But I think this is the placement And I think you'll find this as well Where you have the most responsibility as a student And I think I mentioned that in the post as well yesterday Um, It can be quite daunting I know it depends on the GP practice you go to Sometimes you share a list with your GP Sometimes you have your own list So um, I was lucky enough to have my own list Um, And so I was just thinking actually yesterday I was reflecting on it on the way home. I was just thinking like the difference from what I was in week one to the difference where I was in week five is actually like night and day. And you just pick things up because you see the same, you see, I was seeing eight patients a day. Um, And so the patients that you see, you learn how to interact with patients. You learn that sometimes patients call, we're not an agenda, but they have an idea of what they want. Um, And you learn a bit more about what goes on, and not just the consultation, and and I was just thinking back to when I was a kid, and you go to the doctors, you go to the GP, and then um, you see the the patient before you come out, and you're thinking, why are they not just calling me in now? What's this this like ten minute break in between each patient? And then you realise it's the documentation, it's the referrals that you have to do, it's the blood tests you have to order, um, it's all of this these things. So it it was really like really enjoyable. Um, I'm sure we'll come on to like how long. I f- how long it was for me and uh, how that might have differed to other people but honestly it, it flew by i really enjoyed those five weeks
1: That's well, good to hear i mean if you were to, i mean my next point was what was your the kind of the best part about it and what was the worst part about it
0: so in the how works in birmingham is is that three days a week you're on your own in a GP practice so there's no other students you're you're the only student in one GP practice so that was Monday Tuesday Thursday for me and Wednesday you have a group GP so there's about five of you uh, four or five of you in this GP practice um, so I think the best part one is um, in the group GP um, I've I really gotten with everyone in our group we had such a great group um, and our GP tutor honestly was the nicest GP tutor ever like she was so nice so it was really like a nice break from the individual GP, which was quite intense yeah. uh, hours wise. Um, so I really enjoyed that. <clears throat> Another good part was the individual GP. I, I mean, my GP got along very well. Um, so, so we struck up kind of like a good, um, like kind of working <laughs> relationship. And, and, um, and so I, I, I honestly look forward to going in every day. Um, and oh. teach me a lot of things between each patient and, um, I'm sure I'll come to it. But, um, when I left, um, yesterday, or on Thursday, like it, it genuinely I, I found I was very sad to leave. Um, so I think, and also because you see these people for five weeks and my practice was such a small practice, so you build a relationship with, uh, there were only two GPs there, so the DP partners, you build a relationship with the receptionist, the cleaner, um, the admin staff, um, the nurse, the HCA, so I got to know everyone so well and I was actually uh, thinking about it, I'm actually fortunate it was a very small GP practice. So then I got to know everyone quite well. You kind of didn't so, get
1: lost in the system as the student that just rotates through. You actually kind of built those relationships with everyone that kind of works there, not just the medical staff, which seems kind of quite nice, isn't it? It's always like you embedded in part of the team. You weren't just yeah. like you were floating through for a few weeks. Yeah. No,
0: I felt I felt like a, a part of the team. Um, and I felt like I wasn't just someone who was ho- holding everyone back. I felt like people yeah. were treating me as an equal um, and like, and you're actually facilitating
1: of... people getting better and like helping right. the system,
0: yeah. Right, and I was thinking because it's a small practice and they have a lot mm. of patience. So like, I'm kind of actually helping um to solve the need because you know there's been a it's a lot of demand at the moment. Like yeah. I've seen the tasks my GB has like the the number of outstanding tasks she has and she's swamped like every single day. um So I would say uh, what was the worst thing? I think the worst thing I wouldn't say it was bad per se but i think the thing i found most difficult was doing anything other than gp uh throughout the week I, I didn't do i've told you this i said for the past five weeks like i haven't done any extra work per se yeah um, it's quite difficult
1: for you isn't it
0: yeah yeah i mean monday to thursday I, I used to get back at finish at about half six average about half six then get home for about quarter past seven monday to thursday i have tutoring seven thirty to eight thirty. by that time i'm knackered um, and then I'd either go to the gym or something, come back. Um, so then it's like 10, 10.30 and then i go to sleep. Um, and then the weekends, obviously we were prepping for SJT. So um, in my mind, I was just thinking, I was like, well, I'm I'm seeing a lot of conditions at GP anyway. So I'm, I'm kind of learning on the job. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's kind of where I justify <laughs> it to myself. Um, but uh, I, a worst part, I would say, is probably how tiring it was. But also that's one of the good parts in the fact that I was busy for the whole of the five weeks
1: I, I i mean people often say it's the kind of the longest in terms of hours that you'll do rotation to gp because i know some people have to get in uh for kind of eight o'clock in the morning to do um to kind of to have a briefing with their gp and then they start seeing patients from maybe half eight nine do a morning clinic and then they might have some stuff where they have a bit of stuff with their gp at lunchtime or they're doing a bit of learning at lunchtime and then they've got an afternoon clinic and i think it's quite notorious for being one of those rotations where it's not possible to leave early so on kind of some of your other rotations if you've got something that you need to get back for in the afternoon say a, a sports club or something that you're part of or you want to get back because you wanted an afternoon to focus on some bookwork, it's not really something you can do when you're a gp you're kind of essentially it's an assistantship isn't it so i think the way that they talk about it is that you are there to do the job kind of of uh, a GP as if you were a foundation doctor so you're supported but you're doing the job of a, a foundation doctor in, in GP.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I what I was telling you as well is that your, your experience <coughs> will vary depending on what practice you go to. So yeah. every Friday or every other Friday we used to have lectures at med school and everyone on GP used to come to these lectures and so you would get to know like what everyone's experience has been and some people would say oh I, my clinic starts at half nine I have a morning clinic to a half twelve then I have a three-hour break and then uh, half three to five and then I go home at five. Um, other people would say, oh, um, I just go through all my patients and then at 2, 2.30, I, I can go home. Um, for me, it was more like clinic starts at 9.30 um, and then you take your break when you feel like you need a break. Um, I don't have three hours in in, in between uh sort of to take a break and then um afternoon clinic will finish at around six, six thirty. I think the earliest I finished was about six. Um latest that was probably about a quarter to seven.
1: It's, it's late. It's it's a it's a long day, isn't it? It's kind of beyond days that you do when you're pre clinic med school where latest lectures would finish would be six, wouldn't they normally? Sometimes mm, yeah, I think six half six. Usually yeah I mean lectures would start at nine and then finish at six but you're having to drive there and yours was over the other side of Birmingham. We won't say where but it was a it's quite a way away which means that you're having to take an hour to get there and an hour to get back so you're kind of you're leaving before eight and you're getting back kind of closer to eight so it's more like a 12 hour day isn't it?
0: Yeah so I think I'd leave <clears> I mean you obviously you leave a lot earlier than me but I think I'd leave about seven forty-five to seven fifty. Yeah. And then I'd get back about seven quarter past seven so it's, it's almost a 12 11 12 hour day um yeah yeah you leave when it's dark you come back when it's dark you don't see the sun
1: <gasps> yeah i mean it, it feels a bit like that doesn't it anytime you come back after about four o'clock it's dark at the moment yeah
0: yeah, yeah. And, and do you know that? actually do you know one of the this sounds really weird actually but but in hospital you walk around a lot um whereas in gp like the only thing i do not i didn't actually like is that you find yourself sitting around a lot and sometimes yeah. if you're stuck inside and, you, and you're not moving, this is what I find as well. Like, I've, I don't know. I don't feel as if, feel as good. Like, I kind of like to move around a bit. You want to walk around a bit.
1: I feel like I'm quite a restless person. I feel like I find that quite difficult. I like being, like, mm. on the go and doing things. Like, yeah. trying to solve problems, like, then and there. And I feel like yeah. sitting no, down know, yeah. the whole day is not me. But, yeah.
0: And and I know you wear an Apple Watch and I, I wear, like, a Garmin, like, running watch. Um, and so it tells you like the steps that you've done in a day. And like, I remember cutting COVID sheepy like every day, and I'm thinking, like, I've done like under a thousand steps in the whole day here. <laughs> I feel exhausted. So, like, um, <laughs> which is not good. And I was, that's why I used to go to the gym and like walk on the treadmill for like 20 minutes before I actually start doing anything. <laughs>
1: Or whereas when you're, when I'm in, kind of, when I've been in placement, uh, I've just been walking around trying to, like, find, like, skills and stuff to do on the wards and I end up just walking, like, 10k a day without even realising it because you're just wandering around the hospital and you're kind of, you're on the go and, like, it doesn't tire me out but it's kind of, you're actually getting a bit of exercise and stuff in that way, aren't you? Yeah, yeah.
0: So, actually, it might be a silly thing but that's probably the worst thing I'd say.
1: Yeah, so to get back to one of my questions I another one was could you see yourself working there and you kind of answered it a bit earlier didn't you
0: yeah yeah definitely definitely I think
1: I'm not sure whether it's
0: because one I had an idea of maybe this is something I'd like to go into yeah I think a big part of it is the fact that you don't feel like you're in the way of anything and you're actively helping them you're actively responsible for patients you're actively taking histories deciding on management plans um either referring patients to different places obviously you won't do this yourself the actual referrals or anything yeah you run it by your gp and your g you have a dialogue with your gp and i was very lucky it wasn't like my gp was telling me no this is right this is wrong it was more like okay what Mm. do you want to do what do you think this is what i think um what do you think you could do that we could do this what do you think so so i remember she asked me a question this was in the first week um and she said oh what do you want to do um and i said the way I answered the question was I said, would you do this? And then she said, I don't know, would you? So in that moment, like, she didn't want me to answer the question with a question. She wanted me to to decide what the management plan was for the patient and then what I would do.
1: And I suppose it's quite good because you only learn by making mistakes and you're not going to be prescribing the patient the wrong thing there. But if you say the wrong thing, you've got that safety mm. net of the doctor to go, well, actually, this is more likely and this is a safer treatment and X, Y, Z. And that's why I'm going to prescribe this. And I think it really reiterates that medicine is kind of not just a science but an art as well so you've got to consider for example someone if they've they've got acne you can try topical treatments and there's kind of an acne ladder and stuff but you've got to think how will the patient react to say one treatment over another maybe a treatment's quite quite in like a cream that they're putting on is going to bleach mm. a lot of their bedsheets or whatever and you think well is this really suitable for them and if they're at school are there maybe less invasive things that we can try or things that they can mm. use outside of school so that it's not obvious when they're at school and things like this and it, it does make you think and i think that's what gp is quite good at is that bringing that holistic care being like we want to give them medicine but how will the medicine actually impact their lives we don't want their we don't want them to revolve their lives around their condition and
0: yeah, and what, and what I've learned as well is that it's it's changed a lot from <clears throat> how it was five, 10 years ago is that it before it was more, I know we, we like to say this word a lot, the paternalistic in the fact that the GP will say, okay, I'm giving you a course of antibiotics for this infection. Now it's like, okay, um, from what you've told me, I think it's this. And so we believe um, sort of the best way going forward might be a course of antibiotics or we could offer you something else. What do you think to the patient? And then you have different types of patients. So one patient would be like, okay, um, I want this option. And then another patient would be like, okay, doctor, what do you think is best for me? So in, in that instance, it's kind of you have that like shared decision-making type thing.
1: And there's some patients that definitely like that kind of more shared decision-making. And, there's, and yeah. like you say, there's other patients that will often want the doctor to take the lead and kind of and to work with them. And that's still a shared decision, but you're giving the patient that opportunity to voice their opinions. And if their opinion is that they would rather that you lead that, then you've um it varies doesn't it
0: yeah yeah and and another thing I, I forgot to mention is is um when you said what was most difficult um so what one thing that varied between different practices is i know that for some gp practices the gps made us only see patients face to face whereas mine was telephone consultations only and then if we felt like the patient needed to be seen then the patient would be seen. Um, so initially, I'd not done telephone consultations before. I don't know if you'd done them in GP, but I, I year, did them. A, I
1: did them a bit in fourth year. Yeah. No. I I, yeah. I. I kind of. I would rather see patients in person. I know even if it's yeah. a bit more time intensive, because I no. think it's just a yeah. bit better to get patients in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so I mentioned it on the post as well yesterday that you mm. you take for granted little things that you can that you pick up when you see someone in person, just the yeah. way someone looks and, and the way someone's. Um, Someone's presenting And and the little body language cues That you don't have Definitely Um, And so just things like You know when you ask Are you breathless And then they're saying Oh no But like They might not know What breathlessness means They might think that Oh it means you're gasping for breath or, Or something Then you have to ask In a different way um and then and even just kind of
1: getting up that they can't talk in full sentences and kind of seeing exactly. them there and yeah. seeing whether yeah. they're comfortable at rest and things yeah. like that are really important yeah and if they're if they're worried like body language cues if they're worried about something which isn't medical they've come for a medical issue but maybe there's yeah. a a problem there with abuse or something like that or bullying it's a lot easier to kind of to pick up those cues i think when you're in person
0: yeah yeah and and things like my gp would say to me okay you can treat this like over the phone that's fine um but she said have low threshold for some groups so Mm. uh, patients with multiple comorbidities children especially she said i think i was gonna say i believe
1: what's going on at the moment with strep a and everything like that
0: so so last week i had so many query strep a's and and you ask the family you say to them on the phone okay um Uh, because in your mind you're thinking okay this this sounds like a viral infection Um, yeah but you say to them why um, is there any particular reason you're worried and I get all of them I'm not even joking every single one of them said we're worried because of strep A Um, yeah 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 so you have to bring every single child in because you know 99 out of 100 I wouldn't say 99. I won't give a stat to it but most of them is probably just a viral illness and you can send them home and safety net advice whereas you don't want to miss that that child with strep A
1: And then if that's unfortunately one of the children that that passes away, I mean, I think it's been 10 or 11 children that have passed away so far. I mean, it would be, yeah. And I mean, even as well in Birmingham, all the stuff that's going on with those children that fell in the lake. I mean, it's, it's just so awful, isn't it? Yeah. um, Yeah. And I think that, a lot of the communities come together to kind of support around that yeah no it's, it's, it's very sad what's kind of going on at the moment with those mm. and with yeah strep A I understand there's a lot of worry over kind of children I think it's nice to to bring them in and to to reassure or at least assess and explain yeah. where you are worried and where you're not worried and then why you're not worried or why you are worried with the parents in person I think it just gives it a more it's a, it's a more personal touch isn't it um yeah, yeah you were you were saying as well um you You really got on with your kind of your g p. tutor, weren't you? yeah, so do you wanna yeah. expand a bit more on that and kind of how important you think the g p. tutor kind of relationship is when you're <clears throat> when you're working at g p so with the g p. that you're with usually when you're on
0: your own, you're the only student you're there three days a week for five weeks, you're there for fifteen days, yeah. and I was there for fifteen days of like nine to six to six thirty um i i think it's super important you know i i don't i can't imagine doing 15 intensive days with a gp who wasn't as supportive um who didn't encourage me to to take ownership of my own decisions um who didn't Mm. encourage me to do things like she would actively make me um do things that i wasn't comfortable with um and she would there would probably be things that um it would take longer like for example i told you we had our own lists but for example yeah. if she had if she brought a patient in that she thought was interesting she would ask me to see the patient as well and me to assess the patient so um that's also because she was interested in my learning and she that's really good she, C- yeah kind of going out learning. of
1: their way to facilitate your learning it, it's a sign of a good kind of mentor isn't it because i suppose on this they're not just a teacher they're kind of a mentor they're mentoring you through to build up your own skills they're not just there to teach you everything because you know a lot of stuff already it's just about applying those things that you that's what she
0: said yeah that's what she said and and, free, and i learned a lot about documenting as well and she would say okay this is what i do she would say listen everyone has their own style everyone yeah. has their own style and um so you don't write like i do but just make sure you have the key things and and i've learned so much about the importance of documenting so even for the strep a you have to document mother or father is concerned about strep a um yeah. From a medico-legal perspective is what both GPs have told me, is that um, with, with something It's really patient, crucial,
1: isn't it? Yeah, to make sure that you're, you're treating them appropriately and that um, they're, they're getting the care that they need and you're kind of justifying why you've given the care that you have.
0: And not, not even just that, but for example, um, because telephone, the good thing about telephone consultations is they are recorded. But face-to-face mm. consultations are not recorded. So if a oh, patient really? says something, yeah. So I mean, if, if face-to-face, there's no. Like I suppose, camera in the I suppose room, right? not.
1: Are there? There's, there's no. Yeah. yeah I mean, so, I don't know why I'm surprised by that. But yeah, obviously no. not.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> if there are instances where a patient says, "Oh, okay," the GP said this, or the GP was not happy. They weren't happy with the GP. And for example, you haven't documented this. Then, they, they. I think they're more likely
1: to believe the patient. And you've got no leg to stand on, have you? Because it's you essentially, it's your, it's your word against them, and um, the patient should be treated. With respect and all of exactly uh, and all of those things and if you haven't documented kind of what actually happened there you you need quite a clear structure then i guess i had something i thought about you need a clear structure yeah, about yeah. explaining so, so why you yeah. treated someone the way you did
0: yeah so there's a key things that you should include in the history and then also the safety net advice like honestly yeah. i know i just i remember this is just i can reel this off just off the top of my head you know you say to them okay so please ring back in the next couple of days if it doesn't improve um, or seek yeah, yeah, further yeah. advice through nhs 111 999 or go to a and e because the nhs is is on its knees at the moment with regards to the pressures if you develop like uncontrolled temperature rash with fever coughing up blood uh, you're not breathing very well you feel generally unwell um so these things you have to say to them because if you don't say this yeah to them and they and they they deteriorate then it's on you
1: you forget about all of those things don't you um yeah it's um yeah, <laughs> that that safety netting is such a big thing, isn't it? Because, you know, when you go to the GP yourself and they go, oh, if it doesn't resolve in this amount of time, come back and, and get this mm. sorted. But you forget about um, all of those things and kind of how necessary they are. Um, I've got a couple more. Oh, I've got one last question. Mm. Um in terms of kind of opportunities to, to kind of do your skills and things like that, how did you mm. find how did you find GP? Because I feel from my perspective, it's quite kind of focused towards certain skills you end up doing quite a lot. And I'll let you kind of uh, build on that.
0: So we, we will have a, a clinical passport that we need to complete uh, by the yeah. end of the year. And it has clinical skills that um, we need to do a certain number, I think three or six f- for some skills. Um, and in GP, there are certain skills that you will get to do. I think off the top of my head, the two skills that you probably are not guaranteed, but likely to do are
1: otoscopy and ophthalmoscopy. Those are the two that I was kind of, <laughs> those are the two that I was almost certain that I would get done at kind of GP because yeah, yeah. you're not bleeding patients or putting kind of cannulas in, in the same in the, way no. semi- or, or kind of putting, putting catheters in or anything like that. It's more the, it's more the non-invasive procedures that you're doing, isn't it?
0: i guess you might do bloods um i didn't i think the nurses uh, and hcas did it uh yeah here um so but i suppose you'd have to go out of your
1: way wouldn't you to kind of do bloods yeah. unless it's like a, a very proactive gp who goes right i'll do the bloods here and i've met one gp like that who was just like i'll do the bloods and they were kind of saying to me they like to keep their kind of clinical knowledge up to date and they quite mm. enjoy doing bloods to make sure that they were kind of still in the loop with all of those things
0: yeah 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 so <laughs> um every child that came in we would look in their throats and look in their ears um because a lot of times they can't verbalize what they're actually feeling so they might have an ear infection um and so i i think i must have done about like 15 or 20 like otoscopies like about 5 10 ophthalmoscopies (laughs) yeah so um you definitely will get those skills done more more than not um it's mainly just obs because if you think about it there's there's you're you're quite restricted by what you can do in a gp setting so yeah um, definitely you you tell this to pay and the thing i learned as well is don't be afraid to say to a patient on the phone do you think you're well enough to be treated in the community or do you feel like you need to go to hospital? Because you yep. explain to them the tests that we can do here are not as specialised as what they can do in the hospital and it may be the case that we, after assessing you here, we feel like we might need to send you to hospital in the end. Yeah, um, and
1: it's, it's even that is safety netting, isn't it? Making the patient aware of kind of what different levels of kind of illness they might be suffering from and whether it's a, like if it's an asthma attack whether it's kind of uh, whether it's just they're a little bit breathless because they're ill at the same time or whether they're having a true kind of severe or life-threatening asthma exacerbation and they need to go straight to hospital i suppose the observations are quite crucial because at home patients often don't have the ability to monitor their own temperature or their own sats or their own heart rate and it's quite crude and that's just that kind of bridge between secondary care isn't it that you've got yeah
0: um yeah so i mean if i could just i don't know if you've got any more questions but um, i i actually
1: haven't you've kind of i I feel like i had quite a lot of questions and you've you've answered them along the way just uh just kind of we always flowed from one end to the other which is quite good but um no i'll let you summarize kind of the points that you kind of
0: yeah no i just have a a few other things to say i guess like (laughs) the things that stuck out to me it's like one is that i know people say oh um gps potentially have an easy life or there's probably a better balance Um, and I guess they say that because they don't have to do like nights. They probably, for example, um, but what I would say, it's it's not like that. Like I remember, um, even just yesterday, um, the GP who was giving us a lecture said that on out of hours, when they're in out of hours shift, they usually have about 70 patients, um, waiting for them. And because this whole strep A thing, there was 400 patients in the out of hours list. Um, and my gp i remember like they have outstanding tasks on the web systems and it said that she had about 200 outstanding tasks to do um they really are working very very hard um, I didn't appreciate how much paperwork is in in the job if you think about There's so much hospital, even
1: when I've been in there in hospital yeah it's kind of and I've been doing notation for for each patient on the ward round it's kind of half a page minimum to kind of just say patient alert comfortable in bed and and all of this and what was found on examination and patient concerned about this mm. and, yeah it's, mm. it's probably and, and more guess, so in GP
0: I guess if you think about consultants in a hospital specialty they they always have secretaries don't they uh, to help mm. them with yeah. the documentation whereas gps don't have that so they need to do all their own documentation the reception um, staff so that might was... be
1: able to help a bit but like they yeah. can't do the bulk of it yeah
0: yeah so the reception staff were honestly lovely like they they, they deal with patients difficult patients as well um yeah. and so, so that's one part of the paperwork um i think coming off intercalation like i was a bit apprehensive because my first two were pediatrics and obstetrics and gy- 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 gynecology so very specialist uh, areas so I didn't require much prior knowledge well, I didn't require any prior knowledge um, oh yeah here's like I was I was I was
1: thinking more I was thinking the other way around that you might be quite concerned about going into be being straight back into learning new stuff but I suppose mm-hmm. you don't need that baseline because it's a, it's a specialty that's taught in final year isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. so
0: I remember there there's bits at the start where you know they're asking questions like, I remember my GP asked me in this the first week if patient has a cough what could be a cause of the cough and then I was listing like, respiratory and cardiac causes and she was like no what can be like a very common cause that we can look for and she said just check the medication see if they're on an ACE inhibitor um you know that could be like a." I was just like oh god yeah it's those god, drug like
1: interactions that. and side effects and all of those bits and bobs yeah yeah
0: um is it
1: an iatrogenic that- cough
0: Yeah, that was good. Um, I I had a bit of a week where I would, I sat in with an HCA, um, I sat in with a nurse, I sat in with um, someone who's attached to the GP practice who helps drug addicts um, with their recovery. So that was fairly, that was quite interesting to see. Um, I, in some notable cases is as I saw someone with renal colic um, and and how I describe this is this, I've never seen someone with observations so normal look so unwell um they looked so unwell and then you look at their sats you look at their temperature you look at their blood pressure like it's all very normal um and you're just like oh wow the the pain this patient must be in is is,
1: Mm. ridiculous yeah Um, i mean i've seen it a couple of times in hospital and it looks so unpleasant but i imagine mm. when they present to gp you're just like how have you made it into GP and not kind of, those are kind of the cases where yeah. you think almost you should have gone to A&E <laughs> if it's really bad. And then you end up with a lot of people in, in A&E who kind of probably could have seen been seen by the GP. So, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. um, uh, another one was, um, another case was someone with breathlessness. This was on Thursday, actually, in my final day. Um, on yeah. the phone, they were so breathless, like speaking to me like this. And then I said, um, have you not considered going to a and I was quite worried at that point. And then she said, oh, if I, didn't, if I didn't get an appointment with you guys, I would have. Um, and this was like 11. And so I was just thinking, I was like, she must have been waiting for two, three hours. So then I said, you know, you can come, you can go to A&E or you can come in the next 10 minutes. So she came the next 10 minutes and um, she was breathing. So I- I've never seen her, like, someone breathe so like um, heavily, but then her sats mm. were 100 um, percent. And you're thinking, you're like, what's going on here? Um, so that was another case that I was just I was thinking. So we, we um, prescribed her an inhaler um actually um to help with her breathing um i think it was related to something else i think she must have had um she's slightly she had a scattered wheezing and reduced entry in her lungs so we did give her some antibiotics
1: but it makes um, you think as well is it reduced breathing because of it's a panic attack or something like that and it, yes. is it is it a purely medical thing or is yeah. it a kind of um when i say medical i mean like is there a like a, a physical cause of something wrong with the lungs or is it that come someone's hyperventilating because they're stressed or because they're anxious. And these are all so, things that are yeah. really important. to So consider. this is what
0: I wanted to come on to as well. And then when you dig deeper, yeah, you find out she's very stressed at the moment with her personal situation. And mm. then you end up having to sit with this patient for about 15, 20 minutes because she unfortunately. like, very sadly she started crying in front of us and and like and then she realized like it's probably a combination of all the things okay she does have an infection but it's these things mm. that are these deep rooted issues as well which are sort of making her condition even and worse and it's the
1: kind of the straw that broke the camel's back and it's suddenly it's all just come to come to a head and feeling this breathless all of a sudden yeah
0: yeah yeah so so that's that's kind of what i wanted to say overall i i really enjoyed uh, gp um i i like i said i got to know everyone very well i i um, Gave everyone an individual Christmas card, um, <laughs> which was nice, like, um, uh, and I wrote a little, like, message for everyone, like, personal message, because so, I really did thankful, I'm really yeah. thankful for how they treated me. And I remember my GP, she said to me, um, I gave it to her first thing in the morning. And she said to me, um, uh, she read the first two lines of the card. Uh, and then she said, oh, sorry, I can't read this now. I, I'm going to have to read this when you're gone. Otherwise, I'm going to start crying. <laughs> um, and then um, the receptionist, really so, as I was leaving, because I said to the receptionist, um, I said, you're the first person I see in the morning and you're the last person I see before um, I leave as well. She's there from like 8, 8.30 to about half six, uh, seven. Um, and then as I was leaving, she said, um, she, I remember she was like, oh, good luck. And I could see her tearing up as well. So Aww. it was. That's it's really, really sweet. It was, yeah, it was nice. So, like, it is sad to leave. Like, I really, really enjoyed this book.
1: Oh, well, I think that's a lovely point uh, to kind of to end on. Thanks, uh, thanks very much for answering my questions. And um, if we don't record another episode before Christmas, uh, have a lovely Christmas, Ashwin. And then, obviously, to everyone listening, have a lovely Christmas. I hope you're enjoying it with your families and that everyone's safe and, and healthy over Christmas. Uh, yeah. Thanks once again for listening and we will be back with more episodes in the new year. Thank you very much for listening. Please leave us a like, give us a rating and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use. We'll speak soon.